self-development with tactics. So we wanna go, we wanna go, we are gonna go ahead with Behave by Robert Sapolsky, I guess, if I remember that correctly. And uh, today we're gonna go ahead with Authority and the Stanford Prison as one of a few things, I guess, that we're gonna go through. Well, no, we're, nah, I think we're not gonna finish this one up today. Also because I wanna take my time and enjoy the read and also kind of, you know, not rush things. I don't believe that. This is the thing to do here. And this is what is smart to do here. Let's actually quit some things beforehand so that I don't have that many performance issues. Well, yeah. Authority and the Stanford Prison Experiment. Simbardo and his famous Stanford Prison Experiment received plenty of criticism as so many different experiments. But yeah. Haslam, or Haslam, author of The New Psychology of Leadership, ran the BBC prison experiment with results very different from what Simbardo got. And Simbardo, also author of The Lucifer Effect, has always push pushed back hard against criticism, critics, too hard for a neutral scientist, probably. Beyond the personal anger, the author says that a few findings can be generalized. The first one is... When pressured to conform and obey, a higher percentage of normal people than most would predict, succumb and do awful things. And the second thing is, still, uh, there are always those who resist. Some apples, even in the worst of barrels, do not go bad. Yeah, it's totally the case. The elements that contribute to resisting authority and not committing terrible acts include, the first one, becoming aware of implicit uh, automatic biases, the second becoming aware of our sensitivity to disgust, resentment and envy, the third recognizing the multiplicity of us slash them, so dichotomies that we ha uh, harbor and emphasizing ones in which uh, them becomes an us, uh, the next contact with a, th uh, with a them under the right circumstances, then resisting essentialism uh, perspective taking and individual is it individuating themes or thems the quote-unquote nature of the authority also plays an important role so does the authority evoke veneration identification pants wetting terror is the authority in close proximity when the authority was in a different room compliance decreased which i think really makes sense does the authority come cloaked in prestige Experiments in a warehouse had lower compliance than on the Yale campus. And then is the authority perceived as legit uh, legitimate and stable? I think they all really make sense. I mean, if you think about a scenario, if you think about like being in this place and then just having to deal with that and so forth, groups of us, as us, so multiple us, evoke more conformity than groups of thems. Konrad Lorenz, I guess, became a Nazi because everyone in social circle did, including his dad, who was a kind man. So these, by the way, are kinds of social pressure. 
which was the first one. And the second one is how many are urging us to action? Three individuals doing the same is more powerful than one person doing the same for three times. How many more quote unquote rebels are there? 10 against 2 starts an oppositional social identity and it is a huge difference from 11 against 1. Collectivist cultures tend to obey authority more. What is being required and in what context? Persuasive power of incremental action. We rarely have the sense that we are crossing the line when we are moving forward on, uh, on a continuum. You were okay shocking the guy at 2025, but not 2030. That makes no sense. Come on, it's the same. Mm, I see. Removing personal responsibility, telling people they won't be held responsible or reminding them their responsibility is the experiment, not the people being experimented, i.e. you sign up a form, you're ruining things. Diffused responsibility, Compliance increases when guilt is diffused and you can tell yourself that you're just one cog in a big machine and everyone is doing it and it is fine. Uh, anonymity and deindividuation, uh, diffusing of responsibility happens naturally with big enough groups, the victims can't recognize you and if you wear spe- special uniforms, you can't recognize yourself afterward. I'm thinking about war there, you know. Does a uniform well a uniform definitely changes how you act and at least in my point of view and I as you can see in the back I'm also having a uniform there of the Red Cross since I'm you know working quote unquote for them this point of time and yeah I mean yeah that's quite it nothing else to say there I I do think that I they indeed act differently when I'm just wearing this uniform compared to not wearing it. Anyway, possible alternatives. If we see alternatives, we are more likely to seek them. If we think there is no other option but to obey, rebellion becomes difficult. Which just makes sense. I mean, if there is no other way or if you just can't see another way, of course you're going to do this. Well, you could also just do nothing. But I don't necessarily think that, no, this is a viable option. The nature of the victim. The victim is an abstraction. Future generations is an abstraction. Being close to the victim or shaking hands with the victim decreased compliance in Milgram's experiments. The psychological distance is increased or decreased. How would you feel in his shoes? The victim was friendly or unfriendly towards us. The victim is individuated, but don't let the authorities do it for you. They will always paint the victim as nasty. Yeah. As it was done with Jews and, and other people in the Nazi era. Quote unquote era. Personality of the individual that predict compliance slash resistance, I would say. Not valuing, being conscientious or agreeable. Being low in uh, neuroticism. Scoring low on right-wing authoritarianism. Any authority is more likely to be questioned if you question the very concept of authority. Social intelligence, which may be, uh, which may be mediated or mediated by an enhanced ability to understand things like scapegoating or uh, ulterior motives. Stress with people being more likely to obey under stress. Women voice more verbal resistance, but ultimately comply more. Gender is not much of a predictor, though. Being a hero sometimes is a banal or banal as the banality of evil, heroes are normal people too.
Yeah, so you can as well. Uh, rationalization. Finally, there are rational, ra rationalizations that people used to do what's good for them but poor for others. So there's a quote by Sapolsky. It's not great if someone believes it's okay for people to do some horrible damaging act, but more of the world's misery arises from people who, of course, oppose that horrible act, but cite some particular circumstances that should make them exceptions. The road to hell is paved with rationalizations. Cheating or not cheating is not about struggle, it is about values. In a study of coin tosses and self-reporting, about a third of the subjects cheated frequently and easily. In people capable of cheating, capable of cheating, but who ended up resisting, there was an internal struggle and delayed response. People who never cheated had no internal struggle. For them it was easy, there was no internal conflict. No different parts of the brain activating, you simply never cheat, no need to think about it. This is not to say that honesty cannot be the, uh, cannot be the result of an internal struggle, but if continuous choices are required, then it's difficult to come out with spotless honesty without cheating a few times. Well, it indeed is about values. It just makes sense. I mean, if you value being... Well, being honest, I wouldn't say so, because it's not about honesty there. At least in my point of view. I mean, honesty then is lying or not lying that makes somebody honest or not honest. But in terms of cheating, it is like, do you like cheating? Do you do you like the act of cheating? Do you do something like that? And I, I by the way, think that this is making you a certain person. And certain people do cheat. You know, and the cheating behavior can probably also be seen in different areas of life. You know, which, which actually may or may not kind of contribute to more lying if people cheat more. You know, I think it really truly does say about, does say something about the person. You know, I hate cheating, by the way. I mean, when we think about school or when I think about school, I've never been good at it. Of course I did it. Uh, well, of course, uh, I I also did it. But I've always felt so uncomfortable. I've, I've never quite liked the, you know, I've, I've never quite liked doing things that I think I wasn't supposed to do. You know, my brain was always like, no. As on the other hand, it's the same with working out. Today I, I, I thought about, well, should I do the next round a bit easier? And then I thought, no, not going to do so. And then I just didn't do it easier. So I do think that it really truly can say something about the person at hand. Rich people are greedier, which is going to be the last one for today, because I want to keep, does it make sense to keep more things? Well, no, going to do two more, I guess. Yes, rich people are greedier, says Sapolsky. Across the socioeconomic spectrum, on the average, the wealthier people are, the less empathy they report for people in distress and the less compassionately they act. Why? Because wealthier people are more likely to think of greed in positive terms, to view the class system as fair and uh, meritocratic, and to view their success as an act of independence. And they all mean that not acting the way they do means being somewhat inferior, which is a great way to decide that someone else's distress is beneath your notice or concern. The invention of religion as more moralizing force. There are a few patterns among people and religions. The first one being desert cultures tend toward monotheistic religions. Rainforest cultures tend towards 
polytheistic religions and nomadic pastoralists uh, deities, uh, deities tends to value uh, Vela in battle as an entry to a good afterlife, probably needed to defend cattle. Gods and religious uh, orthodoxy are more important in cultures with frequent threats, war, natural disasters, inequality and high infant mortality rates. Probably because people turn more frequently to God for help. And once cultures get large enough to, uh, that anonymous acts become possible, they start inventing moralizing gods. Probably to help society stay more pro-social and less threatening. Three important points Sapolsky makes about religion. The first one, religion reflects the values of the culture that invented or adopted it and very effectively transmits those values. The second thing being, religion fosters the best and worst of our behaviors. And the third being, it's complicated. And with that being said, I'm going to end the episode. I do hope that I've been able to share some things of value, of importance. Please check out the article if you don't want to wait for the next video, which is going to be uploaded tomorrow or the next day. I actually don't know. But yeah, I'm going to see you next time. Bye-bye. See you soon.